global crisis. Bible prophecy. Health and preparedness. You're just in time. 11th Hour Dispatch. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your grace and peace that you offer to us free as a free gift coming to receive the water of life from you. We thank you that we can have that living water and we thank you that Jesus Christ has completed all of the work of salvation for us. And we pray that we would come to him right now knowing that when we have our faith in Jesus, placing our complete confidence and trust as him as our savior, that we would have a renewed mind and a new life with him right now. And as we turn to the news of the day, Give us discernment and understanding, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to 11th Hour Dispatch. And boy, do we have a lot of things going on in our world today. It seems like the world as we knew it is starting to not just wear old as a garment, but rip apart at the seams with the cultural collapse, with the increase of violence, uh, doubling of murders in Chicago, as we've seen in other cities with this um, horrific tragic event that took place last weekend in Orlando with 50 people dead. And we look at the Bible and we look for answers and we say, Lord, what's going on in this world? And we know that an enemy has done this. It says in Matthew, an enemy has sown the seeds of destruction, disorder, chaos, evil, sin, despair, pain, and suffering and that Jesus Christ is offering the solution to each one of us, salvation in him and a heavenly home away from this miserable place. And indeed, there is still so much beauty here. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. And, and he's vying for every inch of territory, trying to claim as rightfully his, our souls, our hearts as children of him, speaking of, speaking of Jesus, children of the Lord, but the devil, he, he claims to be the, the prince of this world, the, the one who walks back and forth in the midst of this world. And Job saying like he's a lion pacing back and forth, marking and owning his territory. And God says, no, have you considered my servant Job? He is faithful to me. You do not own planet Earth. But as we look around, it sure seems like he's got a whole lot of territory loyal to him with the violence on the rise, as we've seen. I want to remind the listeners of a poll that I shared on the air last fall. We had a couple of very serious terrorist incidents just a few months ago. The end of 2015 in Paris and in San Bernardino. And there is only one religion. There is only one faith that implants in the heart of the believer the true principle of self-sacrificing love Love for God, love for others, according to the law of God. There is only one religion that offers the free gift of salvation and pictures a God of love pouring out his own life for the salvation of humanity. And of course, that is the person of Jesus Christ and the religion of his followers. Call it Christianity. Other religions 
and not that this is meant to be some sort of scathing critique of every belief out there, but when you have a belief system where literally 13% of Muslims in the United States support suicide bombing, at least some of the time, some or most of the time, 13% believe that. 20% of Muslims surveyed in the United States of America believe in using violence to usher in Sharia law. Now, I'm a big fan of the other 80% because you can live peacefully. You can have freedom of conscience. You can have a pluralistic society like we do in America where everybody is welcome. And as long as you work and you contribute something to society and you live peaceably and you don't use force and violence to impose your ways on others, this is a land of freedom. This is why we love America so much. But this ideology, and by the way, this ideology can be found in Islam. This ideology of violent coercion coercive power can be found within Dark Ages Christianity, within Roman Catholicism. This, this ideology could be found even with a distorted Protestant religion. But biblical truth is what it is. And every religion of the world, no matter what culture you come from, what religion you identify with, we are all confronted with this same truth. And our salvation depends upon accepting it. And the order in society at least will depend upon everybody acknowledging the validity of free will, freedom of conscience, freedom of religion, and not the use of this brutal violence that we see spreading across our land and our world like a viral scourge that is just annihilating more and more lives by the day. They have, by the way, targeted more than just Orlando there's some pretty good intel coming out of, leaking out of law enforcement, intelligence, military circles, that there are a total of six cities targeted during the month of Ramadan by these folks who are on this extreme end of the Islamic community, of that 13 to 20% that support these things. And of course, it's a very small number that would actually carry them out, but you don't need a whole lot of them in order to wreak havoc. So we, uh, we shall see what comes next. But you know, the bottom line is there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out all fear. We cover this news because this is what's going on in this degenerate age and this, this violent and, 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 and coercive era in which we live. It's a tragic thing. It's something to mourn. It's something to expose as wrong. And also, we want to recognize that it's a fulfillment of Bible prophecy. When the Bible says, wars and rumors of wars will be an indicator that you are near the close of time. Have we seen in recent years a ramping up and intensifying an acceleration of violent conflict, civil unrest, wars, rumors of wars, terrorism? It's indeed a serious time in which we live, but I want to shift gears into some other things. As, as important and shocking and uh, news headline grabbing as this event has been, uh, first and foremost, and most importantly, our prayers need to be with the families of the victims, and we need to be praying for conversion. We need to be amping up our missionary efforts because, who knows, maybe some of these people who perished did not know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. And it's incumbent upon us 
as many people are passing into their graves to share this gospel truth with them, the everlasting gospel. But indeed, society is changing and changing quickly. There are revolutionary tendencies in the air. And and I got on the air last fall and started writing and speaking about these issues contemporary to our time because of these very indicators that were presenting themselves. More unrest with the the movements of, 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 of urban civil disorder, terrorism on the rise, a lack of confidence and trust in the traditional institutions of civil and media, civil government and media. That's what brings us to this headline. It was economic indicators. It was a lot of things that got my attention. These kind of things really wake you up from a social science perspective. Confidence in newspapers and TVs, TV hits, uh, hits, hits the bottom. Confidence in newspapers and TV news hits bottom. Summer box office revenue is down 22%. And, well, that's good news right there. <laughs> People are unplugging from worldly uh, media. It's down 22%. I hope to see more of that. But as far as the revolutionary winds of change, when people start saying, we don't trust the mainstream media, the TV news, trust in the the banks is down 22%, 22 points. There was a 49% Trust level in banks in 2006, 27% in 2016, so that's down 22 points. Trust in television news is down 10 points. Trust in newspapers is down 10 points. Trust in Congress is down 10 points. So uh, trust in the public schools is down 7 points. I would consider that one good news as well, because then maybe we could do something better. Home education and, and good Christian schools, like the, the schools that Elisha ran, the schools of the prophets. So what does this all mean? Well, this means people are looking at the established order and they're saying, we don't like this. And in times like that, who knows what people will turn to? We'll wait and see. Very interesting times in which we live indeed. Medical Express reports, for some families, moments where parents spend time playing, reading, or conversing with kids may be a thing of the past, new research suggests. This breaks my heart. Moments found where parents are spending time reading, playing, and conversing with their kids may be a thing of the past? What? Well, only a handful of kids aged three to five years old receive active engagement from their moms as they sat glued to the electronic babysitter, according to the University of Michigan study. And one expert wasn't surprised by the findings. Well, we kind of all knew anecdotally that this is going on. Technology has become childcare, says Dr. Victor Fornari, who directs the Child and Adolescent Psychiatry at Zucker Hillside Hospital in Glen Oaks, New York. Parents are off doing the dishes or folding laundry while the kids are plugged into their technology and the parents aren't sitting with them watching together. As By the way, they shouldn't be doing that either. We should be doing real things together. But... They found in the study, basically, and this is six years ago, so it's way worse now than what this study found. And they found that literally all the families in the study had their kids using media. Only 7% had active engagement the majority of the time where the parents were engaged with the children in the use of the media, which would be a lesser evil than what the majority did. And the majority, 58% to be exact, had zero interaction with their children while their kids used media. That is a sad, sad fact. Uh, We are outsourcing our parenting to the worldly media. And and by the way, we're all on our phones constantly too, right? Adults or just just human beings in America are on their phones 4.6 hours per day on average. There are 6 billion people in the world 
who are using smartphones now. There's only a little over 7 billion people total. And five hours per day, we're looking at a doubling in nearsightedness, in myopia in North America, in North America since the 1970s. A doubling. 80 to 90% of Asian populations developing myopia. Because we're always doing all this near work, right? We're, we're just constantly on the media devices and the screens. It's damaging our eyes. So AP asks the question, Suppose your smartphone is clever enough to grasp your physical surroundings, the room's size, the location of doors and windows, and the presence of people. What could it do with that info? Well, basically, basically the article goes on to say that they have a, an app, they have a system in place in the latest smartphones that are coming out where the phone can detect the physical environment and it's collecting data, collecting data, collecting data, and it's going to use this information for the next rollout of what they call augmented reality. Which basically means it's the, the, the technological devices in the near future are going to be beaming out holographic images. So you can, you can actually see things in 3D. I know this sounds futuristic and crazy, but they're saying reality as God created it is not good enough. We need to augment it. We need to improve on it. And we're going to now be living in the real world and the virtual world simultaneously. From my perspective, this is a nightmarish future. Let's develop a love for God's actual world and the place in which we live. We'll be right back with a special guest. To financially support this broadcast, visit 11thHourDispatch.com or write to us at 11333 Bacchus Road, Lakeview, Michigan, 48850. George Washington once stated, The acceptance of and continuance hitherto in the office to which your suffrages have twice called me have been a uniform sacrifice of inclination to the opinion of duty and to a deference for what appeared to be your desire. I constantly hoped that it would have been much earlier in my power, consistently with motives which I was not at liberty to disregard. I have to stop reading right there. Come again, President Washington? What did he just say? Did you know that in the 1880s, children were reading this in grade five in their reading class? Repeat after me. We've been dumbed down. It's time to wake up. To come apart and be separate, saith the Lord. The DVD series is called Schooled, the deliberate agenda to reduce individuality, destroy intelligence, and re-engineer society. In Schooled, you'll hear it straight from the mouths of the founders of modern schooling themselves. They're quite proud of it. Visit 11thHourDispatch.com and use promo code RADIO for a reduced suggested donation rate. Wonderful, merciful Savior, precious Redeemer and friend, who would have thought that a lamb could rescue the souls of men? Oh, you rescue the souls of men. We are back once again with a special guest in studio, Vicki Griffin of LifestyleMatters.com, sharing some health principles with us. And boy, I am excited about the positive message, because when you report on the news, which we do on this broadcast, 11thHourDispatch.com, by the way, is the website, when we look at what's going on in our world, it's like people are just becoming more and more obese. They're becoming more and more addicted, literally addicted to the 
high sugar, high refined, high fatty, trans fatty acid, you know, high fructose corn syrup. You just go down the whole list of all of these, you know, scary things that are going on and you go, man, we're just flat out addicted. How can we overcome? How can we do something better? It's like we've got the principles. It's not rocket science, but why do we struggle so much? How can we overcome our bad health habits and move into these changing the diet, starting to exercise, making sure we're getting to bed on time, sleeping, resting, drinking water, you know, just things that, you know, human beings have been doing for thousands of years. And we know, we know, right? Uh, how, how do we get out of that cycle of addiction and move into a better, more whole way of living? Vicki, help, help our listeners out with that, please. One of the side effects of addiction is isolation. And we are, have never been more connected and never more isolated. Never have we needed relationships more than we need now. Not only with each other, but with God. Mencius, the Chinese sage, said, knowledge imparts information, but not the power to execute. And information can crush us because we know certain things that we need to do and ought to do and should do and would like to do. But when you're alone and when you're discouraged, it's hard to do those things. And the Bible talks about being without God and without hope in this world. And and God is called, one of his names is the God of hope. And he addresses this problem in Romans. He says, those things, Paul said, those things which I want to do, I, do, I don't do. Those things that I don't want to do, I do. Who will deliver me from the body of this death? Thank God that Jesus Christ came to break the cycle of sin and addiction in our lives. And there are some principles as we wrap up these segments that we have been sharing uh, that are very, very important. And, and Scott, one of them is relationships. As you and I were talking during the break, um, gifts are given, but fruit is grown. And the Bible talks about the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5.22. When a person is born again, the Bible says that we receive these fruits, that we receive the fullness of Christ. But we receive it in the form of seed. And seed has to be cultivated and grown. So the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, self-control, long-suffering, temperance, goodness, gentleness, all the things that give strength and hope in life and give us a reason for living and a purpose and a direction, all of those things are given to us in the form of seed. And that seed is grown in relationships, relationship with God and relationship with each other. You know, I, I've, I've seen in the recent research we were reporting on this, on this very news broadcast, people who go to church, people who are in social groups, at least two social groups. I mean, their health and longevity, their, their depression rates, their disease rates, everything changes. And so not only do relationships help you overcome those bad habits as you were just sharing and, and feed into our lives as we connect with each other and connect with God. But there's all of these uh, secondary and tertiary benefits where it really starts to change our lives, doesn't it? The heart health consequences of social isolation are equivalent to smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Let's go back to creation week. God said, let us make man in our image. At our core, 
He has designed us for relationships and relationships are hard. Uh, Often we don't have the tools. And so learning how to minister to the needs of others makes our world bigger. Uh, God set boundaries in relationships. He says, this I like, this I don't, this you can do, this you can't. So having relationships does not, is not a permission slip for abuse or for receiving abuse, but Healthy, positive relationships are what we are designed by God for. And interacting with others, learning from others, these positive contacts. And how do we learn these principles? By spending time in the the most important relationship of all. And that's a relationship with God. You know, one thing that I've thought about in the context of relationships is many times people are in relationships because they want to receive and get. And then you have two people in a relationship, one with the other, perhaps both of which are trying to receive and to get. And what what is the Christian mindset of being in relationship with our fellow human beings? What what is you know? Do we have a purpose? You know, when we talk about spiritual health and other things, living life with that purpose of of serving others, mm-hmm. of of that beneficence, that that altruism. I kind of answered my own question there, but can you speak to those issues? Well. Yes, to the best of my knowledge, I I have prayed. Uh, I prayed for a very in a very difficult work situation. I remember praying to God and saying, "Lord, if you would just get this person out of my life, I could get on with my Christian growth." But Christian growth uh, is based on realistic expectations. People are flawed. I'm flawed, and and we can learn from one another. We we can learn how to grow in Christ's love. The Bible says bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. It means carry one another's troublesome faults. And so without making ourselves responsible for other people's decisions, we can still minister to people. We can learn from them, we can minister to them. We are soul winners in this world, but where do we get the strength for this? Where do we get the wisdom? It's our time with God and spiritual health uh, is the, at the center of a healthy lifestyle. And and let's remember that God, he, he foresaw, when he made Adam and Eve, he said it's not good that man should be alone. And he created that wonderful union. But he also saw that relationships would be broken. He saw that there would be loneliness, that there would be death, that there would be problems, that there would be a need for separating at times. And so the Bible says he sets the solitary in families. He makes himself families like a flock. And so he has a healing remedy for every human being. And and he has created church. He has created the community of believers so that we can minister to one another's deepest needs. And, And I'm thankful for that community that he has created and for the opportunity that that we all are called to add value to our lives. When we add value to our own lives, when we learn and when we when we expand intellectual and rational pursuits, you know, it's logos, the word, rational. We are called to think, not to empty ourselves, but to fill ourselves. When God called the children of Israel out of bondage, he gave them the Ten Commandments. That means he, they are no longer slaves. Now they can read, they can write. He gave them paddles to take care of their own hygiene. They aren't carrying the business of other people. They now have value. And so 
all the basis of society and technology and the relief of suffering and helping one another and moving and, and growing comes from a creative God who made us in his image. And I'm thankful for that. He calls us to move forward, to improve, to add value to our lives so that we can add value to the lives of others. And, you know, whenever we're in that situation, folks, where we feel like there's no one else to turn to, you always, always, always have Jesus Christ. You know, the Bible refers to that friend that sticks closer than a brother. Jesus is that friend. And you might say, well, I'm a sinner. I'm so unworthy of him. You know, so much of our uh, the degradation of our minds and our health and our emotional outlook just comes from that sense of feeling unworthy. Maybe we were slammed down during childhood. Maybe we were not affirmed. Maybe we have these these just, just systemic issues within our hearts. And you say, I'm a sinner. He could never be my friend. But remember, folks, he was called the friend of sinners. That means you, that means me, and you might go, well, come on, you know, you don't know what I've done. You don't know how horrible I am and what kind of dark thoughts, you know, plague my mind. Chief of sinners though I be, Jesus shed his blood for me. Don't forget, my friend, that you, even if all your relationships are broken to bits, that relationship with Jesus Christ he is working to put that back together to invite you into intimate friendship with him because he accepts you right as you are right now. You don't have to put yourself back together to earn the love and grace of Jesus Christ. Otherwise, it wouldn't be grace, right? He wants to pour out his infinite grace into your life to rebuild you and make you in his image, to give you that affirmation, to say to you, you are my beloved child in whom I am well pleased. And let's remember, successful people are not mistake-free. They just refuse to give up. I always think of the wonderful miracle that comes in a brown wrapper, and it's called perseverance. God gives it. <laughs> well, isn't that something, you know? I don't usually ask for trials, right? I don't usually pray for that. You know, Lord, please give me patience. You know, if you pray for that, please give me perseverance. He will give you those challenges, and he's always right there with you. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Never forget that. Now, we've been talking about health principles, and I'm looking at the clock. And you know the most important health principle of all is trusting in Jesus Christ, spiritual health, focusing on him. And so for all the physiological health principles that we've not gotten into, I want to plug a DVD for you. My good friend Chad Cruiser produced the DVD, Ancient Health. Do not miss that documentary. Ancient Health. You can get that at 11thHourDispatch.com. Fantastic documentary about the health principles that God has given to us. So, Vicki, what do you think? I think the joy of the Lord is my strength. And I am looking at how he values you and me and not what the devil says anymore. You know, when it comes to this thing of addiction... I, I, I know that the brain, you, you, you were telling me during the break, is designed to create new pathways, to find pleasure in new things. There's, there's just dopamine receptors all over the place waiting to be – I'm putting words in your mouth. But you know, when we think of overcoming something, don't think of it as I'm not doing that. Think of it as I'm doing something new. Can you speak to that in the minute we have left? 
the brain is continually remodeling itself according to what it, it learns. And so God has created us for renewal, recovery, and restoration. I have known people, and my, I myself suffered from bulimia and was runaway drugs for many, many, for many years. And I'm so thankful that uh, he has created us to move forward, to learn new things. And there's joy in learning the new and positive way of living that God has given. He gives us the power to do it. He gives us the desire to do it. And uh, here's what I like to say. God has promises. God has power. But he also has a plan. And all of those three things are available to me and to you so that we can have a new life. And if, it's, if, it, if it can do something for me, it can do something for anybody out there within the sound of my voice today. Behold, I will do a new thing, saith the Lord. Rivers will run in the desert. You will be transformed by the renewing of your mind if you behold Jesus Christ today and receive his love. We'll see you next time. Here's Scott Ritzema with another final minute message. If we go and consult the philosophers and scholars and thinkers of ages past, we find unanimity. From China, we read, For changing people's manners and customs, there is nothing better than music. Confucius stated, If you would know if a people are well governed and if its laws are good or bad, examine the music it practices. Boethius, a Roman philosopher, said, Music is a part of us and either ennobles or degrades our behavior. Here we have Socrates. When modes of music change, the fundamental laws of the state always change with them. We also have Aristotle. Music directly imitates the passions or states of the soul. Listen to this. Gentleness, anger, courage, temperance, and their opposites. So according to these ancient people, they knew that certain kinds of music will actually shape our character to be immoral. Brought to you by BeltofTruthMinistries.org.